0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Inspiring Thoughts podcast uh, this week. We're very lucky to have Pip Lawrence with us. And Pip is the Wellbeing Director and Speaker at Wellbeing People Limited. So, Pip, great to have you on board.
1: Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me along.
0: Yeah, really, really good. And great, great to see you again. So um, in advance, Pip's had seven questions sent her to give a bit of preparation for today to aid the discussion. Before we dive into kind of the questions, Pip, would you just tell our listeners about your career history or kind of your plotted path?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, in a whistle stop tour, I guess i um I started as a personal trainer um and really loved working with people, but really didn't enjoy the um lack of empowerment that I felt that I was doing people a big disservice. So people would often come to me with this you know help me get fit lose weight and this very sort of like you can fix me approach and and um, what I found was that it just then wasn't very sustainable because if I went on holiday or whatever you know they would use those phrases of I've fallen off the bandwagon one of my pet peeves and and so I felt like all I was ever really doing was just sort of putting a bit of a bandage over what was clearly a, a bigger issue um so through I guess my career I ended up traveling for a long period of time and and that gave me a bit of worldly insight into you know I was I remember being in Cambodia and obviously Cambodia had experienced a horrible genocide you know in in my lifetime and but the people seemed so happy so many of the people i seen were so happy and healthy and and I remember calling home and people sort of um Moaning about the weather, or you know, or or seemingly very um, small things that were really affecting you know people back home, and I thought, what's going on there? So a number of different things through travelling, and then I worked on public health programs where I worked very closely with a psychologist and a dietitian, and um, amazing, amazing programs. But they couldn't get anyone in front of them. You know, I'd turn up to deliver some of these programmes and there'd be like one family there. And and so I, I eventually sort of put this together and thought, right, well, I was working in a private sector. You know, in the gyms, they were getting, I don't know, 700 new members in a month. Like it was crazy the amount of people that they were attracting. But the programmes w- weren't really designed to to help people long term and it wasn't sustainable changes that were happening. And then on the flip side, I'd worked in public health where the programs were incredible, you know, really written with all the latest research and things. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a great program if there's no one in front of you to to actually affect change on. So so I I tried to put these two worlds together, started my own business in 2014, um, which was a sort of a combination of, I'd say, personal training and then some behavioral change coaching and, and um and it eventually evolved into what is now the recalibrate wellbeing program um in 2019 um i merged with wellbeing people um and then was appointed their wellbeing director and um yeah that's pretty much how i got my title i have to say as well because i get reached out to people or people reach out to me all the time on linkedin saying you know how did you get to become a wellbeing director this is the honest truth my MD said to me, Pip, we've already got like we need you to be a director. We already have a sales director, a marketing director, an operations director. Like like what can we make you a director of? And I just went, I don't know, director of wellbeing. And the irony is so many people reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, Pip, how did you get to where you are? And I kind of want to say I made
0: up my job title. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating though? Sometimes I, I love that when people go, How did you do that? And you go, Well, I just did this. And it's yeah. is that it's that simplicity that I love within children, the simplicity and the easiness, whereas adults look for over complicated things to yeah. say it's got people. I love that I love that honesty of, well, I just picked that title. That was the best yeah. thing. Yeah, good, yeah, good on you. I love no, that. No,
1: I just am I'm, I'm as transparent as they come, so yeah, there's yeah. no airs or graces with me, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs>
0: But um, I, I love the bit as well about when you said earlier about empowering people rather than they just hold on to it's Pip getting me fitter rather than themselves getting fitter and owning those behaviours. I find it yeah. from a human psychology fascinating point of view that if we can get people to walk and look after themselves, they're going to be better, stronger for themselves and really feel that. Whereas actually if they keep holding on to other people, they're doing it for the other people, keeping them accountable rather than themselves. I find that fascinating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm totally honest, I mean, we've had meetings recently with because uh, what we now do at Wellbeing People is work very much like I guess our core businesses is around the sort of the business to business market. But we also do um, do a few sort of public health um, programs and we've historically worked on a lot of initiatives around there. So we had a meeting recently um, with some public health providers. And I honestly think this is the biggest mindset shift that is just such a barrier in public health is that public health feel like people of inequality or um or, you know, that are in um, challenging situations that you have to spoon feed them. And what yeah. we're trying to say is that th- that doesn't work because then you come in as this authoritative figure that they have, you know, that then you're not relatable anyway. And then you're telling people what to do. And, and it just doesn't work. Whereas, like, if you can empower someone yeah. and instill them with that belief that they can do this and that they can take ownership of it, Then that's where you really do see sustainable change, and it's just it's it's such a barrier at public health at the moment that um, I will keep fighting away at. (laughs) Keep beating the drum away. I don't seem to be chipping too much away into the stone, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm sure you are. I'm sure you definitely are. And they go, "Here's Pip again, beating away, chipping away at the stone, (laughs) isn't it?" So um, if we move into, because quite a bit of the um, questions we've looked at and also about well-being is a lot of people I hear and also recently is about stress in the workplace. Yes. Um, what, what would you kind of, from your perspective, what, what is stress in the workplace? What, what's that? What's that really mean, Pip?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's a tough question because I think stress in the workplace um alludes to the fact that it doesn't happen or that it's separate from stress outside of work. And yeah. I think this is the biggest shift that I've definitely seen in the in the last, I guess, decade or so, where it used to very much be that it was like, you know, I take this version of Pip to work and then this version of Pip stays at home sort of thing. And and actually what we're seeing much more is that, no, you take your whole being to work. So yeah. that means that, um, you know, whatever emotional, physical, chemical stress that you've got going on, you're also then taken to work. Now, I guess where that becomes then very tricky from a manager's point of view or an organisation's point of view is that some of those stresses might be rooted in things that are outside of work. Um, you know, you could take child, childhood trauma, could be, you know, someone chooses to, I don't know, smoke excessively. Whatever it is, those, those are then different types of stresses that happen outside of work that are then going to have an impact on that individual in work. And it's where is that line a lot of the time for businesses and film managers that then don't overstep the mark into people's personal lives but equally you are if you're bringing your whole self to work then you know then there's that constant balancing juggling act and so stress in the workplace ultimately boils down to the same thing as stress outside of the workplace which I I really like there's a number of different models and ways that people explain it. I quite like the chiropractic view on it, where there's kind of three main things. You've got your physical stress, as in, you know, it could be from uh, could be from childbirth is a physical stress, car accident a physical stress, but equally it could be from simple things like sitting for prolonged periods of time Mm -hmm. are going to cause a physical stress on your system. A lot of people think that it's you know musculoskeletal that happens when you sit for a long period of time, but actually, you know you compress your lungs when you sit from a long period so then your breathing changes which can then send you know feedback loops back to your brain to say okay I'm breathing shallowly does that mean I'm anxious you know and then you can see where then mental stress can then start feeding into that so you've got physical stress as one side then you've got emotional stress which really are your thoughts your feelings your belief this is where mental health comes into to play these could be stresses that come from outside of you you know like work pressures um the environment you know all sorts of things like that or things internally like your own belief systems and that sort of thing and then the final one is chemical stresses which again in our modern world we have to play a at least have an insight over and that could be processed foods alcohol drug use could even be the air that we breathe if it's you know if you're in the middle of hong kong and it's very polluted you're going to be breathing in things that is going to cause a stress on your overall system so a short definition i guess is yeah. stress in the workplace is anything that falls under that physical emotional and chemical that you'll then bring into to work
0: yeah and it's um fascinating that people seem to think which i, I love the bit of Home is home, work is work. There's, you split them apart, and that's it. And it's not. And it, this is the. I think the, the the key to the the question is, people can't suddenly just switch off from yeah. home and then at work. It's a completely different version of themselves um, and I've definitely noticed with lead that the best leaders I've ever worked with are able to pick up on those nuances those physical emotional kind of differences with that colleague to spend time with them rather than just walk past and ignore and go well that's their home life then and and put them into boxes it's yeah. about having that understanding more those softer skills yeah. to really kind of work with those colleagues because you're right we can't just all turn that that kind of dial off and and then start work can we
1: yeah, well, absolutely. You know, I, I've been in meetings where, you know, someone's had a a grieve, a grievance. You know, in their in their family, you know, someone's passed away, and so if you don't then take that second to just check in with someone and see how they are, and you just go into work mode, you know, that person's going to be so checked out that they're not going to be listening to anything that you say anyway. So it's definitely about finding that balance. But I think it it, it is very tough because as a manager. I you know, we do a lot of manager training and I know that, that that's one of the things that people don't want to intrude into people's lives. So it's almost they do it through a level of respect as well as, you know, some people do it through a level of, you know, they don't have the confidence in in um you mentioned soft skills, but you know great place to work their recent report basically says that the managers that um or what employees want from managers is that human-centric approach yeah. and you know like treat me as a human first and then a worker second yeah. um and you know you can do that through a number of different ways i'm sure we'll get into it but some really easy tools that you can then do that just to if you don't naturally have those soft skills as you mentioned yeah um then you know then that's just something that it's all teachable so and, and it's all learnable. So so that's just something to start practicing and playing around yeah. with
0: and I think um <clears throat> excuse me, the bit on there is I think people make it out to be this big thing about how to speak to people, but quite often yeah. It's the easiest conversation of like, how are you? You don't see yes. yourself today. Should we have a chat, have a cup of tea and a natter? It was one of my phrases, rather than putting it into a big professional. I've got to have a meeting where the yeah. colleague will close up and not kind yeah. of reveal what's really going on. And and what would you say, like you said there about home or work? What would you see the different types of stresses you see or encounter through the well-being people? Limited? What would you see as the differences you see from colleagues?
1: Yeah so I mean the physical ones I guess are, are the are where we do a lot of our behavioural change thing around so so a lot of things around sleep is obviously a very big one in the in the like the last few years um or lack of sleep should I say um sitting uh, I think people don't realise that actually how much of an impact sitting for long periods of time has on, on it's your made body. you want to sit up properly So if you know, said you that see- I just but just, the the funny thing is like so I come along and say all of these things and people all of a sudden like sitting yeah. there or or drinking water, you know, yeah. I'm I, I joke that I've made that a career. I, <laughs> I joke that I've made a career on telling people how like to drink hmm. water. But so those are the physical stresses that we definitely see a lot of that where people, you know, you just fall into work and it's so easy to do that if you haven't done that habit design around your your daily work, um, to really optimize, you know, I often say to people, it's like turning your computer on and trying to run on like windows 97 if you don't drink water sleep properly do some movement you know you're going to make yourself more productive that will make everything else easier so those are the physical sides i guess from the emotional side the ones we see a lot of is is definitely um poor management and that's not necessarily the manager's fault um you know i think one of the recent um I think it was in uh, CIPD released a report recently where only about 50 percent of managers feel like they have adequate training to even do the people management side of things. So, you know, that it's not necessarily to to berate managers. It's to say that, you know, we need to all do that that level much better. Um. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, managers and then work pressures and this. I guess comes from both sides in that it has to the individual often needs a little bit of help with healthy boundaries as well as the workplace needs a little bit of help with healthy boundaries you know we never it's very rare that we see these ones or one side or the other so I would say those are probably the biggest ones that that we're addressing at the moment like the kind of digital well-being side um just to help people put some boundaries in place.
0: Yeah. And it's um, <clears throat> I think like during the pandemic as well was heightened where boundaries have been crossed. Yes. Uh, and I've seen that a lot where people do it for good intent, but seem to get the boundaries blurred. Um, and I'm really pleased there because I, I don't like berating line managers because they do a good job. Yeah. But a lot of people are really good at what they did before in silo. Then the next day they're promoted and they go, da da, you're now going to manage ten people or twenty people, and they don't really know what to do. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the CIP did the paper, I think, in twenty twenty saying fifty percent of the time line managers make situations worse, not yeah. because they're being malicious, they just yeah. know what they know. Yeah. That makes sense. So and, I find and it fascinating.
1: Yeah and it also it's a bit of a compound effect as well right that if you've got a manager who has been promoted to that they're going to know themselves oh, okay I don't have these skills so then yeah. that's going to heighten their stress yeah. when we are in a and like when we are highly stressed our executive function of our brain shuts down which means we don't make as as good decisions so, you know, then it just becomes this vicious cycle where you've got stressed managers trying to look after people who, you know, let's face it, we're coming off of the back of a pandemic. People are still, you know, have really big struggles around their well-being and they're looking to their manager to lead by example. But actually, their their manager is at the end of their temper as it is. So. So, yeah, it's just a vicious storm, unfortunately, that that's um, that's been brewing, you know, like during the pandemic and post pandemic yeah. really and it's
0: one of those storms that will brew again because i've noticed more and more about um hybrid working people are going back five days a week they, yeah. pe- so we're seeing that that's going to be another transition again of kind of where people are uneasy they've got used to different ways of lives etc so i can yeah. see that storm Kind of moving forward, and I think in um not last week, and I mean before, I think A.O. the CEO of A.O. in the Independent said it's working from work life, not working from home. So I think that's that that storm's going to come. Yeah. and how people work with it, or really try to understand their colleagues will be the winners rather than being done to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that you know that's why I I'm very lucky with my job yeah. and and things because I can walk into any room and and know that actually if everyone like if every single person in that room prioritized their well-being so if I did my job well enough and inspired them to prioritize their well-being it doesn't matter what else is on their priority plate whether it's family whether it's work whether it's career or whatever I know that if they prioritize their well-being everything else is going to get better but yep. what we typically find is that people fall into one or one of two mindsets one being the success mindset where it's like I have to work all hours I can't yep. take any holiday off you know I have to get there when they prioritise that, inevitably, at any at some point, their own wellbeing suffers, their relationships suffer, and it all comes crumbling down. And then the other mindset is the sort of the carer's mindset, which is, you know, your teachers, your nurses, your parents, that they'll like, have to, once they're okay, then I'll be okay. Which again, we see, you know, you get to a point where you burn yourself out, you then can't look after them, you can't look after yourself, it all comes crumbling down. And it's only when we can help people get that shift to go actually when I prioritize myself first, it doesn't matter what storm comes through or transitions come through. It's gonna take an awful lot to knock me off my podium. And and yeah. that's really where I guess we I guess I see it as a privilege that well, that's the industry that I've chosen that you know that we can actually really affect key change when we do actually start prioritising wellbeing instead of paying it a bit of lip service.
0: Yeah. And it's um <clears throat> It's definitely the point. Um, uh, probably in my late 30s, I found that I was comfortable in my own skin. So I went through that transition of imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. And then late 30s, I thought, Do you know, what? I've got to look after myself a bit better. And then you notice the difference more. And it's a bit like on an airplane, isn't it? When they say put your mask on first before yes, children, yeah. like, you, you start to go, ah, oh, I, I kind of get that. Uh, yeah. And even taking serious sleep. As I got older, I took serious a bit sleep a bit more serious and went you know it pays dividends to have a good night's sleep yeah. and those kind of things but then it enables you to be better at your job and help people whereas it I think too many be. people do it the other way around of I've got to put others first and then they're the ones that get burnt out or hurt in the long run isn't it
1: Yeah absolutely and you know I I mean many people said Pip I get it that all sounds great but you wait till you have children and you know I had my first child a year ago and I'm not saying that I don't ever put him first because of course I do but actually I do make sure that I still prioritize my well-being because I know that then that benefits me as a working mum as well and, and and I have still proven that you can do that and so I'm you know everyone's situation is different and we always talk about the fact that well-being is you know personal um subjective and and universal but it 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 can be done and it can be done with really simple things like you just mentioned prioritizing your sleep drinking a bit more water you know these things really do make a difference when you have that compound effect so um so yeah absolutely
0: and pip when would you notice what are the signs when you see someone that is suffering or living with stress what what signs would you start to see
1: yeah, so um, again, because it's personal, m- generally people will have very different tendencies. So um, you could have some physical signs and symptoms. So you could have things like breaking out in mouth ulcers, for instance, is quite yeah. a common one. Um, because when we're stressed, we burn through our minerals a lot quicker. And um, right. if we burn through our minerals, then then our, uh, our mouth is one yeah. of the, the areas that we see that. So if you suffer from mouth ulcers, cold sores, those sorts of things, that can be your stress tendency. Um, I know for myself personally, my throat's often the first thing to go. So I get even cracklier and horsier than usual. <laughs> um, uh, but again, it, it can be anything for, for different people. And I think the key thing that I always try to encourage people to, to recognise is what is your stress tendency? You know, I, I once worked with a lady, had this. she would come out in this huge rash up the side, you know, so you can get skin irritations, all sorts of things from a from a mental health point of view or from more from a mental side of things generally and this is very stereotyping and I don't really like to put people in boxes but it tends to help people generally you'll fall into one of three so so either um overwhelmed anxious very worried sort of the overthinker you'll notice that then like that just goes into overdrive and you just can't stay present at all um The second type of person is the sort of irritable, frustrated, very impatient, sort of very direct, angry person. Um, That's my tendency, by the way. If I notice if I start going a bit a bit too sort of um, sharp tongue, then I notice my stress levels have got a bit high. And the third type of person is the is the sort of want to go and hide. So withdraw from the situation, go into a cave, you know, and really like pull yourself away and, um, I think it's really important to to recognize that that we do have these different stress tendencies because yeah. then not only can you recognize that in yourself, but then you can start recognizing that in your team as well. Yeah. Prime example. If I'm stressed and my mum's stressed, I have a sharp tongue, she goes worried. So put us in a room together when we're both stressed and that's just a recipe for disaster, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to make her cry, she's going to make me angry. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just not going to work. And we can start then having that empathy for people yeah. if we recognise those those tendencies. Yeah.
0: And it, I think there's um, a couple of bits that come in today about being observant to those things. Uh, and even if someone says, like, how are you feeling? They've got, you know, got a couple of mouthfulsers or... They're the things we should be able to start to pick up on yes. rather than walk away and go, OK, they're a bit off sorts. Actually look, lean into it. Uh, and like with you, um, I know when I become more stressed, I get a rash comes up in my yeah. fingers. So I get kind of that. And and, it always, and I always go, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm stressed, but I know I am. So I yeah. um, And I like the bit there about sharp tongue because... I can turn up my dial that's a bit more direct and a bit blunt um, yeah. from that perspective but they're the things that we should have, if we're aware of them we can start to notice can't we in Definitely. other people to kind of then, and I, I you know not to overlabel, but care about people that's my humanistic yeah. approach about actually how are they yeah. ra- rather than let's just ignore them they'll get better tomorrow
1: yeah absolutely and it, it's then about creating those spaces right that then people can share those things openly because I think Again, going back to to what I said earlier, where people feel like, oh, you know, well, I I wouldn't feel comfortable to point out, oh, you've got that rash on your finger. Are you stressed, sort of thing, yeah. you know, because that could yes. then, you know, okay. trigger someone and they go, well, not, you know, that's none of your business. I'll be even um, worse
0: than that, wouldn't it? you, get, you yeah. <laughs> say, How dare you say that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly? But again, just to have that awareness and and to start building that rapport with people Mm. to just go, you know, I, I notice you don't seem yourself. Is everything okay? You know, you do that in the right way. You'll create that space if someone is stressed. I mean, as long as you create that safe space, the likelihood is they will verbal diarrhoea what is on their mind to you, because unfortunately we live in a world that's very connected and yet nobody actually listens. So yes. um, so, you know, if if you create that safe space where you, where that person feels seen and heard, they will tell you what's on their mind and, and you'll be able to have that that. Um, and sometimes I think the biggest one for managers as well is they feel like they need to problem solve that. So whatever that person's told them, actually, for most people, they just want to be seen and heard. You know, you might need to signpost them to something, but you don't have to fix anything. You know, you just hold that space for someone and let them speak. And and you'll notice like the weight drop off of them and, and them um, find their own, you know, their own solutions as well.
0: And that, that kind of falls nicely into like the next question of what if someone does come and speak to you and say that no, I'm stressed at work? What 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 should we do? And I think you've touched on a little bit already about giving that safe space and that kind of thing, What 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 should we be doing for that person?
1: Yeah. So um, obviously every organisation is different. So so where you signpost and things like that is is going to be dependent on your organisation. Some of the things that I always really try to drill home, especially to, to our team, is like REAP isn't there for when you have hit rock bottom, you know, yeah. like, like like use it before rock bottom even comes up. I talk a lot about feedback frustration. So the second you start feeling that feedback frustration, that's the time to start acting rather than letting that frustration just get louder and louder and louder. Yeah. And um, so where you signpost is going to be different for each individual organisation. because you're going to have different things yeah. set up from mental health first aiders to EAP programmes to internal programmes. Um, but really just holding that safe space for a person. So and and asking them, you know, I guess this is where we're seeing much more that people and organisations are wanting to go into that sort of coach um. Uh, culture of coaching where where you know it's training managers with those skills where they can then hold that space and feel comfortable to to ask questions and and to allow that to happen but what I always encourage people to do is is to not lead with the my door is always open approach because yeah. it doesn't matter if your door is open like You know i know that my other half will listen to me if i tell him you know can you sit down Mm -hmm. and listen to me but actually him sitting me down and going pip something doesn't seem right are you okay Mm -hmm. is going to open me up an awful lot quicker so so you know we need to have the same sort of approach at work where it's how can we start creating those um those environments for that to happen so prime example in in our meetings we encourage people to do a win learn or share so it brings this human element to the meeting before we get on the business stuff so um you know whether it's a monthly meeting or whatever we have a win learn or share a win is either something good that's happened in your personal or professional life a learn is something that didn't go to, to plan but you yeah. learned from it because you know we learn best from our failures um, and then a share is just you know there might be something on your mind maybe I don't know your cat's passed away or something that day. You know, then then you just want to share that to go. Do you know what? I'm I'm not in my best headspace yeah. at the moment because this has happened. Um, it only then takes like one minute, two minutes per person. Yeah. And so it stops the whole, oh, I went out on Saturday night and this happened, which I know for someone who, you know, is that irritable person, you know, that can be really hard for that person to sit on a call and listen to to somebody else really sharing all of this stuff. And they're thinking, I've got another six meetings to get onto and this person's (laughs) banging on about their Saturday night. But it does allow that human element to come in so that then you yeah. know everyone's headspace before then you move on with with the business yeah. stuff. So yeah. so that can be a really easy one in one-to-ones, you know, asking how are you, but then following it up with genuine questions. So so my team, for instance, I'll ask them, like they know me very well. So it doesn't come across like um American or, or two state. Yeah. But I'm like, come on, how are you out of 10? Like if you were to rank your well-being and yeah. stuff. And so So then they give me a score and then I can follow up with that. And one of the questions I'll always follow up with is, you know, um, are like, is your work positively or negatively impacting that number? Because sometimes, you know, we think, oh, someone said a seven. That means they hate their work. Actually, it might just be something massive is going on for them outside of work. And it's only when you then ask a couple more questions that you go, well, actually work is the thing that that's really helping them at the moment yes. so you know that's fantastic you know yeah. so so I think definitely setting it up in one-to-ones and setting your meetings up with this human-centric element which doesn't yeah. need to take a huge amount of time and will really drive connection and culture in your business is um yeah. is a big way to a- address the the stress side of things
0: and it and it's the bit there of it, it doesn't take a lot of time but it yeah. takes a bit of thought so that's yeah. the, the bit to be kind of more conscious around it. But actually, um, win, learn, and share really nice way to frame it. So we get people talking. Um, uh, and I kind of really like that bit. And also looking in one to ones, holding that empathetic kind of part rather than sympathetic because i see so many people dive into sympathy mode yeah. where actually that person just wants to blur and get stuff off rather than going well i've gone through that and that's happened to me because then the agenda changes to the other person yeah so just really holding that space makes a world of difference does not it
1: definitely and that's just the different levels of listening isn't it and yeah and again if you notice that in yourself that, that you're one of those people who either want to jump in and fix things or yeah. you know jump in and make the story back about you then then you know do some training and go on some some you know basic coaching skills or, or the soft skills sort of um workshops where where you know you can experience that firsthand and and understand how creating that space will just you know really open people up to it to a different sort of yeah. level
0: Yeah. And um, just before we move on, I like the bit where I've seen it so many times when people go, I've got an open door policy. And I go, how often does that person knock on that door and tell you what's going on? Not that often, but I've got an open door policy. And I go, that's the point. Actually, people aren't going to knock at your door and say, I'm going through menopause or I'm going through this or I'm I'm experienced. It's actually how do you connect with those colleagues that enable those conversations rather than it's all on your terms that your door's open?
1: yeah absolutely and you know like i mean even here at wellbeing people um recently actually i was sitting in a in a senior leadership team meeting and and um and it was brought up on the agenda like do we really want to send out this EMPS survey again like we've sent it out every quarter like are you sure we want to send it out again and I'm like yes it has to go out every quarter so then you know a lot happens in three months if someone has something then that feedback frustration you know we've done it so often now that then it might be just something little but someone then will put it on and we can address it straight away yes. rather than waiting until it's this almighty thing and then they might come bouldering through the door but they'll yeah. be kicking it down and screaming and, and saying this is happening that's happening rather than let's be proactive with it and and try and you know get that feedback yeah. in first yeah.
0: and and that's um, like in the world that I also work in the mediation world when we see problems have got out of control yeah it becomes a big unwieldy beast whereas actually if you unravel back it's probably quite a small thing but definitely. it's not been addressed so like with that I'm a great fan of like getting regular touch points yeah and, and then actually you can nip the small things in the bud rather than it become a big audacious which becomes uncontrollable yeah so yeah absolutely. really definitely stick to it I'll be on your your uh beating the drum there Pip stick perfect. to perfect I'll yeah. share
1: this with the team just yeah. that it's not it with just the team. Me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Steve said. um, So, what what other support is out there for people? I know about EAP lines. um, Is what other support is available to people that are, you know, stress or wellbeing? Would you say?
1: Oh, am I allowed to selflessly plug in that case?
0: You can. Yes, you can. Of course, you can. Of course, you can. (laughs) Well,
1: well, so so the program that we run is the is the recalibrate wellbeing program. So uh, that's a program that then helps exactly like what we've been talking about, right? It, it empowers people to take ownership for their own well-being. So they go onto the programme, they experiment, we give them a topic every single week. So some weeks, for instance, it is sleep, some it is around movement medicine, that sort of thing. And we give them the choice of three progress experiments. They choose which progress experiment they're going to commit to, and then they come back, have some self-reflection on it, The number one thing people tell us is that it's really heightened their self-awareness. So if we can heighten people's self-awareness around their own well-being, around their own tendencies, around their habits, then it gives them an opportunity to to change it. So we don't come in and say, you know, you should eat this nutritional plan or anything like that. It's all about um, really seeing where that skill gap is and um, and then having that sort of shared um, shared knowledge and and knowledge transfer over because let's face it, none of us are taught well-being in school, are we? I think they are starting to now, but, you know, I certainly wasn't. Um, and so so that programme worked really well. And then we have ambassador training um, off the back of that where then anyone who's graduated through the programme, we then train as ambassadors. So we train all of the soft skills around emotional intelligence, around signposting, around those communicational skills. to then basically the organisations plug that back in so that then we don't need to hold their hand for the rest of the yes. time. So there's programmes like ours. For, you know, there's a number of different companies that, that are doing them and things. It, it is really about getting that training and, and, and um, you know, starting really with the leaders and those leaders. Really, the biggest one is that mindset shift to go, OK, actually, if I prioritise my own well-being, you know, is this thing going to have that knock-on effect for me and my productivity? And then managers are going to see that that's how I'm leading, by example. Then that's going to fold through. And so, so for us, really, it's getting the, the leadership team with that mindset shift. Um, you know whether it's a level of coaching that needs to come in, that often works very well um, as well, be- because of this sort of like blurred lines and how unique it is for everybody. Um, but but yeah, and, and otherwise, obviously there's a number of organisations. I know the Stress Management um, Society are out there. They have a lot of free resources. I mean, our website is full of a load of blogs and resources and things that that you can reach out to. Um, all I would say is like I'm I'm a really big fan of expert and um, experiential learning so yeah. learn something but then put it into practice and start doing it so that then you can yeah. learn from your failures and reflect on okay that worked, yeah. but that didn't work quite so well in our organization and how can we evolve that and I think a lot of the time people are, are scared to start and you know yeah. if, if you can say right this is the intention this is the direction I'm going in I might not get it right first time but that's okay yeah. then then you can start moving that way but I think for a lot of people you know, coming back to your earlier question around where what are some of the big stress issues you know perfectionism is a huge one people yeah. pleasing is a huge one and and being a workaholic is a huge one so you you put those you know three in there and and then you can see why it's really hard for people to then get that mindset shift to prioritizing well-being and yeah. um, total side note but, but it was probably the biggest one for um, me I um I remember going <laughs> my other half said to me Pip, like you you just seem really stressed and he called me out on it and he was like he was like this was when i was running my own business and um and i said to him yeah but tom you don't understand like i love my job like i i you know i i just i love helping people it, like it doesn't feel like work to me and uh, this was his response so anyone who suffers from a bit of workaholism his response to me was pip alcoholics love alcohol doesn't make it right to pour it on your Cheerios in the morning so it doesn't make it yeah. right to work all of the time and I was like oh yeah, yeah good good point it hit yeah. me like a knife and it made me yeah. go oh, okay yeah I can I can see I'm a bit out of balance there yeah. um so so you know there's just a number of different things that that we can then once we heighten our self awareness that's really the the starting yeah. point uh,
0: and I love going back again where you said about um, first of all, you've had that realisation from your partner, which is, you know, it's great to uh, have partners. And I always remember many, many years ago when Blackberries first come out. Uh, okay. and I was adi- I was addicted to that because I was like, oh, I'm so chuffed. I've got a Blackberry. And my wife and I went on holiday. Uh, and I remember a couple of days in, my wife said, oh, just to let you know, Steve, who have you come on holiday with? And I said, well, you, you know, really excited. We look forward to the holiday. She said, well, it feels as though you're on holiday with your Blackberry. And that was like the... Punch in the face for me then to go, yeah, that's quite right, actually. And same as you, I love work, but there is that priority and family life uh, that goes with it. Um, And I think also the other bit which I loved about the leadership, people seem to think even in the world that I work in conflict resolution, that it's all nice and happy and clappy, etc., But what I just love then is if you get the leaders right, more productive, you know, better at work, those kind of things that people just don't seem to connect with. That you're going to be more efficient, more productive. Those kind of things, better customer service. We're not just doing it for fun, are we? If that makes sense. No,
1: absolutely. You know, and I mean, the biggest one really is is that as a leader, you want to be able to respond and not react the second that you're you're stressed in any capacity and like I mentioned going right back to the beginning when we're looking this isn't just you know mental stress which is what Whenever I sit down and talk to leaders, you know, they often go, I manage my stress really well. But when when I actually break it down and go, oh, actually, you know, let's have a look at these physical stresses. You know, you might you might feel like mentally you're Mm. you're coping with everything. But but that's there's a difference between coping and being optimal. And so the big difference with well-being is that is that if you can get all of that stress, you know, into a place where actually you are managing it effectively, Well, then you have a space and your brain will actually operate in a way where you'll respond rather than react. And I can guarantee you, it will be all of those times that you reacted are those times that get you into trouble, and that's when they need to call you in. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, yeah, that's when like, we get the phone call come in. So, uh, when should people start to see a difference in themselves? So, um, for example, the work that uh, you do, Pip, and people then start to really look at themselves. When should people start to see a difference? Probably sixty-four million dollar question. Sixty-four million dollar question. But when would you see a difference in somebody?
1: Yeah, so through the Recalibrate Wellbeing programme, I would generally say if people are adhering to it, because obviously, you know, we're not magicians, you have to do the work. Um, But if people are adhering to it around about week four we noticed that people's energy really starts going up um quite dramatically um by week six they'll have had quite a few insights and and they'll be like quite impressed with you know different things that are happening um uh, by the end of the program yeah but by sort of 12 weeks there i mean i've had leaders turn around to me and go pip When you first came in, I did not, I was just, uh, you know, I was that stereotypical, you know, I grew up in a, you work harder, you roll your sleeves up, don't, you know, don't whine about all of this stuff, just get on with it sort of thing. Um, Whereas now, 12 weeks in, I can totally understand why, not only do I want to do this, but I want my entire company to do this because... I'm so much more productive I'm so much happier at at work and home I have better boundaries you know all of these sorts of things but it is unfortunately in my industry and unless I might find a magic thing but we have people have to experience it which is you know which is why we, we publish as many stories as we can and we're doing much better at that because people then can start relating to it but even then, until you experience it yourself, especially yeah. if you've been in a level of pain for a long period of time. So I often talk about like a bit of a spectrum where if you've been in pain and whether that's mental pain with a mental illness or physical yeah. pain. Um, then it's very hard to to actually imagine yourself as someone who has energy, who wakes up in the morning, you know, yeah. bright eyed, ready to start the day, all of those sorts of things, because pain is that thing that literally shuts down everything and all you can focus on is you know what's just in front of you But when we start seeing people come out of that and then move more towards okay a bit of balance and then more towards thrive i mean the difference in in people is is just dramatic that that you see people go on to do incredible things because they've had this like real life experience where they've gone from a place of pain to then of thriving and then it almost seems like well anything's possible because i've been able to you know, yeah, almost upgrade every cell in my body kind of thing.
0: And, it, and it's that bit of um, <clears throat> colleagues going through it that it's not going to be an overnight fix, which a lot of people seem to think even like losing weight. They go, oh, I did a run yesterday and I should lose. It, that's not the real world. But putting that effort in will give that longevity and that thrive to push forward but it does take time and consistency those kind of things but going back to what we said at the beginning by empowering people their the accountability and ownership rather than I'll train you one day then if I don't do it, it's down to me not doing it because Pip hasn't trained me rather than that person on their own two feet, which makes a huge yeah. difference, isn't it? And you must yeah. see some really good kind of um, life changing stories and behaviour from people uh, once they've started to hit that four week, six week mark to see yeah. a real difference. You must kind of thrive on that, mustn't you?
1: Oh, I mean, so again, complete transparency, but when I came back from maternity leave, I said to my MD, who actually I'll tell you about his little story in a second, if we've got time. But I said to my MD, I'm, I'm really um, I'm I'm really missing my mojo. Like, I, I'm just like really struggling to get back into it and stuff. And he was like, uh, this is the impatience in me. He was up here. It's only been a month. Like, just let you get your feet under the table and like just just slowly ease yourself back in and stuff and um literally the next day one of the testimonial videos came through where um where one of my coaches had yeah. interviewed someone and they were talking about the the program and um and just like that my, my mojo went straight back I was like that's the reason we do it well you know we genuinely do transform lives and and people you know have this incredible you can't unlearn what you learn as well so you know people will then have this for the rest of their lives and I think god there's no greater gift or, you know or, or thing that I would like to be doing with with my time anyway
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And it's um like with, um, I think, when we connected before, the passion that come through from both of us, we love what we do, makes a real difference. Uh, and actually, our colleagues can see that and our customers and clients can pick up on that energy uh, from that perspective. So um just a kind of um, last kind of questions to pick up. with, what, What's on your development for this year? So if someone said, Pip, what are you learning or developing in 2023? What would be one of your goals you're working on or behaviours?
1: Oh, that's an easy one, because I'm on a course tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So So my... So I'm actually um, so throughout my career, I've always um, almost been trained informally um, through coaching skills. And yeah. um, so I've never actually done a, a specific qualification. So um, so I'm now currently on an executive coaching course. And um, so that then because we're looking to, to see, actually, do we put a little bit more coaching element alongside the programme yeah. for especially for leaders and and for, um, for people who maybe need additional support around that side? of things. So um so yes yeah, so that's what I'm currently learning and it's lovely because um well shout out to my cousin Natasha Millard who runs her own consultancy and things like that practice but she was the one who informally trained me because she basically said Pip what you're doing isn't personal training you're doing a a level of coaching because I couldn't understand when I took on my first employees I was like like how can I get them to deliver the program in the same way as me so I got her in to look at it and things and she said she said you're coaching without realizing that you're coaching and I was like oh okay so and what's nice is I'm currently on the course and so far there's not been like a massive red like flag I was thinking oh I'm going to go on this course and I'm going to be that person who like got taught to drive on their you know granddad's estate and then has all of these awful habits but so far it's it's going okay
0: (laughs) well I remember when I did my executive coaching diploma I thought beforehand I had quite a swagger I was like oh yeah I'm a good coach I've been in the banking industry for long years we had lots of coaching and then I suddenly realised when I went on my course, I was like, oh, I think I've just been giving feedback, to be honest. I've no, not really, really been coaching people, um, but I've glossed it up in this world of coaching. So I think it's fantastic. More people that can, because coaching is not just about <clears throat> work stuff. It's a life skill. It's a great skill yeah. to have. And I think that's a lot with a lot of these things. It's not just about work. It's they're great life skills. Definitely.
1: aren't Definitely. Well, I mean, and that I guess feeds into what we were saying at the beginning—that you bring all, you know, your whole self to work, but also anything you learn at work, you then bring your whole self back home as well, don't you? That then you get this lovely skill transfer as well. So, so well, I always say
0: when I when I'm training new mediators, and on the next day I said, "Did you use any of your Jedi mind tricks at home?" And they go, (laughs) "Yeah, my my partner picked up on it." So I always find it (laughs) fascinating from that point of view. So Pip, um, just to finish up today, because I'm sure we can talk for ages, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. How can people connect with you? you know, get to speak to you, those kind of things, Pip?
1: Yeah, so me personally, I guess there's two main places, which is we have a wellbeing people community, which is on LinkedIn and then also on Facebook. Um, it's in there that we run uh, monthly progress experiments. So this month, in the month of June, we're running one around morning movement. So if people want to see, oh, is the, you know, if I experiment with morning movement, does that then improve some of our high- hypotheses? Which you'll find out in the community. Yeah. Um, then those are the best places. So you can just search those in either of those. Um, if you're a business and and you're wanting to to support your employees around wellbeing, or maybe a leader, then probably the website is the best place, which is wellbeingpeople.com Um and uh, and yeah, I'm sure the team will be more than happy to support you.
0: Yeah, wonderful. So can I just say a huge thank you today, Pip. Really, really enjoyed. Uh, I know following on from our, one of our conversations today and through our questions, uh, and I'm sure our paths will cross again uh, without <laughs> without a doubt. But I just want to say a big, big thank you today. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, catching up with you.
1: Oh I know likewise. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, look forward to catching up with you soon.
0: Thank you, Pip.